Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are continuing our study on fearing the Lord. This is part four. If you have not listened to parts one, two, and three, I highly suggest hitting pause here and going to listen those and catching up with me here later. It's going to be really important that you have the foundation as well as the verses that we have discussed here so that today's teaching makes the most sense to you. Amen. As a review, we have been discussing the fear of the Lord, of course, specifically in part three, we talked about the parable of the talents, and this is in Matthew. So we talked about the productive servant who feared the Lord and doubled their talents. We also spent some time studying the unproductive servant who did not fear the Lord. He buried his talents and he was cast into outer darkness or eternal punishment, which we know here that is hell. I want to highlight that it is not about fearing punishment. So when I say fearing the Lord, and as we study that, it's not fearing the punishment. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. When you understand the punishment, it puts things into perspective, but fear of God's punishment does not mean fearing the Lord in this way. I want to highlight that it's not about fearing punishment. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. When you understand the punishment, of course it puts things in perspective, but the fear of God's punishment does not mean that you are fearing the Lord in the way that it is taught, in the way that the Lord means. Fearing the Lord comes from danger. So if you recall in a previous podcast of fearing the Lord, I related it to the grand Canyon. So the Grand Canyon, it is so beautiful. Yes, you will be in awe of its beauty, but that's not fearing the Lord being in awe of his beauty. Yes, he is beautiful, but he is the one with the authority, right? So whenever you're at the Grand Canyon and you look down and you see how deep it is, you know that if you step outside the line, if you step too close to the edge, you're going to fall. Fearing the one who can bring you danger, that is what it is about. Not the danger itself, but fearing the one who can bring you danger. Why? Not because it's danger, but he, Jesus, is the one who is so powerful that he can bring us danger. We talked about do not fear the one who can kill the body, but fear him, fear the one who can kill the body and soul. Amen. We're going to discuss two points today. One is failing to fear the Lord can bring you danger. We're going to spend more time there. And two, fear of the Lord is the origin of sanctification and humility. So I want to jump right into our lesson. I want to take you to Acts chapter five. I'm going to start reading in verse one and it says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. So I want you to notice here, So I just read verses one and two and notice that after the church began, people didn't just give their tithes. Some gave land, some sold their possessions. 
They were Holy Spirit giving. It was more than just tithes. Some were actually selling their land, like I mentioned, to give to the apostles, to help them with this movement, with this holy movement. I want to continue in verse three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Verse four, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse five, and then Ananias hearing these words, he fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Amen. So here we can understand that there was great fear. And I want to focus more on this. Let's continue in verse six. It says, and the young men arose and wrapped him. So the young men who witnessed this, they rose and wrapped Ananias and they carried him out and buried him. Verse seven. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Amen. So when we read this, we can understand that the word had traveled and that great fear came among the church. And God is consistent and God is a good God. And if he has a message, he's going to make sure it's delivered. So nobody could even credit Ananias to falling down for coincidence for the same thing happened to his wife. And it was well known that both of them had lied to the Lord because there were many witnesses. Amen. God is a good God. So the people outside the church, they were afraid to join the church because they weren't ready. They were afraid of not being serious when serving the Lord because this is going to result in their death. So we can understand that many heard about the death of Ananias and Sapphira. We also can understand from this that the first church was a church that truly feared the Lord. They saw, look what God can do. Amen. Continuing, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. See here, very clear, the people are afraid. They're not ready to change, right? They're afraid to do something wrong. So they didn't join them, but they respected them. This is unlike today. The church is not respected today. Likewise, the church is not fearing the Lord. The church is in such a mess today. But during this time of Ananias and Sapphira in the first church, it was respected. This was the fear of God. This was pleasing to the Lord. Amen. So when we read of fear here, this is the same fear that we've been studying. You remember the, the word phobos? Remember, we looked it up in the concordance to ensure that we were dividing the word correctly. We had the right teaching. We want to know the meaning to ensure that not only are we learning it correctly, but when we teach it to others, 
we are going to teach it correctly. And I just want to highlight here as well, it's very difficult to pronounce in Greek and Hebrew at times, so it's good to pronounce it right, but it's not required. What matters most is that you understand what it means. Amen? Do you remember in the parable of the talents? The wicked servant said something in Matthew twenty-five twenty-three, and he said to his master, I knew you to be a hard man, and I was afraid. Remember how he talked about he was making excuses for why he hid his talent, why he buried his talent, and Jesus told him, you wicked and lazy servant. I want to highlight here, and I've highlighted this consistently, this was not a crime. This servant was not out committing crimes. Burying the talent was not a crime. But still, Jesus told him, you are wicked and lazy. And this servant earned a one-way trip to outer darkness. But why did he really bury his talent? He was exercising the wrong fear. He feared the punishment of the master. He did not fear the authority of the master. Today, whatever scripture says, we must comply with it. Or there's danger. Danger of what? The Lord's unapproval on our lives. Amen? When there is danger, I'm referring to the Lord's unapproval on our lives. Why do we fear that? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, has all authority. Amen? I want to take you to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 4 where Jesus is teaching on the fear of God. Now, I referred to this earlier, but I'm going to read it word for word out of the New King James Version. And it says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast in the hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Do not be afraid of the one who can kill the body. Jesus is talking about himself. So when Jesus says, fear him, he means himself. Fear me. The savior of this world is talking about himself. And he says it again and again. How many times does Jesus need to say it for us to respond? How many times? I'll allow you to answer that because as we know, we work out our own salvation. I'm not here to tell you the answer to that. You answer that for yourself. But I also want to draw attention to what is going on here and how the church has evolved over time. And in the 1800s, fear is preached only about reverence. The world took out the danger part of fear and we need to put it back into the teaching so many more can be saved. There's an equation to fear and danger was removed, but it needs to go back in. It needs to go back into the equation of what it means to fear the Lord. Why? So we can ensure that the people are being equipped with the true understanding, the true knowledge, and the true full message of what it means to fear the Lord. This, again, is why the church is in such bad shape today. This is why this world is in a mess. Because they're teaching sugar-coated teachings. And sugar-coated teachings exist today. We all need to acknowledge that they do exist today. And the church makes it sound so nice and casual, right? Why does the church do this? It's obvious. It's obvious. And it's selfish. The church wants to grow in numbers, but not members. So again, the church wants to grow in numbers, not members. What do I mean by that? When I say members, I mean real members of the body of Christ. So I also want to note here, when I say church, 
I'm referring to the church in the world, right? When I say the body of Christ, that can be understood as you are serving the Lord. And if you look at the world today, you can understand that many churches are not pleasing to God. Therefore, I don't refer to them as the body of Christ. They may refer to themselves as a friend of God and a member of the body of Christ. But whenever we compare and we look at what we know, we can have a good guess that they are not true members of the body of Christ. Amen. Instead of being motivated by self and just to grow in numbers, right? Because if you're growing in numbers, you're also growing in tithing, right? If you look at the, the theory, amen. But the church needs to be working more to draw near to Jesus Christ and to draw others to him so that they can be saved. How do you draw near? You draw near with fear and trembling, Amen. Why? Because there is danger if we do not. Jesus is looking for only those who take their service to him seriously. He is looking for a serious servant's heart, not somebody who's going to bury their talent, not somebody who's going to cower and not do anything because they are afraid of being punished. He's not looking for the one who doesn't join in because they are fearful of the punishment or they're fearful that they're going to fail. We're all accountable. We are all accountable. If you are serious, you are serving in holiness and fear with all your heart, all your mind and soul. You're seeking him always. And remember that's constant fear, which is constant belief in him. When we have constant belief in him, we do not believe in ourselves. Yes, you and I are going to be tasked with things that we need to do. However, the confidence is in God. Amen. It doesn't matter how big of a job the Lord is using you for because God can use a donkey. So even in doing the things that God says, we still ask him for help. Why? Because we are not confident in ourselves. Amen. So unless you are exercising the correct fear of the Lord, you cannot serve this way. You cannot serve Jesus and be approved by Jesus. I want to go into point two. If you remember, point two is to confirm that fear is the origin of humility and sanctification. Let's focus on humility. What is the opposite of humility? Pride. But what is pride? Pride is false humility. Amen. Have you ever been in church and the pastor says, raise your hand if you're humble? I can promise you anyone raising their hand, that is not a humble thing to do. It's not. If my humility is not from the fear of the Lord, it's man-made. It's just pretend. It's just temporary, right? It's like asking the room full of people to raise their hand, knowing that the act of raising their hand is in itself a sign of pride. And that's just an example. But we know that pride is false humility. We've also learned in the Bible that God resists the proud and exalts the humble. And the Bible confirms this in multiple places. I'm going to read a few verses to confirm this. Please take some notes. In Psalms 138 verse 6, it says, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, right? The humble, but the proud he knows from afar. Amen. Proverbs 3.34, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 29.23, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. In Matthew 23.12, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 1.52, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. So it's very confirmed. God resists the proud and exalts the humble, or as we just recently read, the lowly, right? The humble. Jesus is returning to the clouds. And you can be reminded of this in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. I'm not going to read that, but please note it and read it later. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus is coming back to take his bride. And it's not a literal bride. This illustrates the relationship with his followers. He loves his bride and he has authority. Unless you drink the living water. Remember, that's the Holy Spirit. Unless you drink the living water from the rock, you are not part of the bride. You are not a part of the group that Jesus is coming for. And if you truly serve, you truly fear him, not the punishment, but you fear of displeasing him. You have a fear to displease him because he has authority. It's similar to not wanting to disappoint your parents. Your parents should be proud of you. You want your parents to be proud of you. Why? Because it pleases them. Amen. But there's a difference between pleasing your parents and pleasing God. You can hide things from your parents, but you cannot hide anything from God. He sees every speck. He even sees the things that we don't see ourselves. Amen. Ephesians 5.25. It reads, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. This, of course, is a metaphor. We can see God's love here. He gave himself to his followers, that he might present her, who's that, who's her, the church, here we see Jesus gave himself to his followers. How did he do that? How has God, how has Jesus given himself to us? If we believe that we are followers on the cross, of course, he carried out the will of the father. He was crucified on the cross. And that is why we have the Holy Spirit here today. The Holy Spirit didn't suffer. Jesus suffered. That is why he is risen up. And he is King of kings and Lord of lords. He has overcome the grave for you and me. And he is after the one who is serving him seriously. Amen. He wants to sanctify us. And he wants us to be washed by the water. Right? We just read that in five, uh, Ephesians 5.26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. Remember, her is us. We want to be part of that group that he's coming back for. We want to be part of the church that he's coming back for, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. You know, it's like laundry. If you want the best outcome with your laundry, you need detergent and softener, right? So we need to be cleansed and washed by the word. Amen. So again, this verse is a metaphor and we can understand that the word is of course the word of God in the Bible and the water is the Holy Spirit. We all know that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the words that you have learned. That's what it means when the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. 
He's going to remind you of the words that you have learned, not just any words. He's going to remind you of the word of God. But what can the Holy Spirit remind us of if you or me haven't learned what he says in his word? Nothing. We need to know the word to be reminded. And the Holy Spirit cannot work with sugar-coated messages. This isn't a holy teaching. It's not the holy word if it's sugar-coated. The church today, and even one who claims to be a follower, must be washed by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. The holy word will not work with sugar-coated messages. I want to warn churches today that it is not worth to sugarcoat your messages to keep people in the pews. It is not worth sugarcoating your messages to grow your congregation with numbers. Jesus is after quality, not quantity. Tying this back to the parable of the talents, we know that all three servants were given talents, but not all three servants feared the master. Likewise, the church is filled with members in which all are not fearing the Lord. Sometimes churches are even filled with members in which none are fearing the Lord. Amen? Sugar-coated teachings are unholy. And I want you to remember the warning in Revelation. And I'm referring to the one that mentions if you add or remove this word, you're cursed. And I'm reading from Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add him to the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Wow. So that's a true warning. That is a true warning, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it to water down or sugarcoat your messages. We don't have time for that. Sugarcoated teachings are an abomination to the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter how good you speak. It doesn't matter how good you think you can motivate somebody. It doesn't matter how many cameras are on you or how many big screens are behind you. It's not approved. It is not approved. Some church environments only create these temporary feelings, these in-the-moment feelings, in-the-moment refreshing. But you should know that the spots and wrinkles remain. Those who fear the Lord seek true fear of the Lord. So followers are looking for accuracy of the word. They're looking for it, right? They're reading, they're praying, they're taking their notes, they're comparing to the concordance and the parable of the virgins. Don't you remember there were 10 virgins, five were prepared with their oil, and the other five needed more oil. So if you don't know when Jesus is coming back, I ask you, how much oil will you bring with you? Much more, right? Much more. At least I would. Maybe I would pack my whole car with oil, cram it all in there as much as I could bring. I'm going to bring it. Amen. It's like boxing. You know, when you think of some boxers, some have so many wins and zero losses, and then they box against somebody who has wins and losses. Still a strong competitor, but the boxer with the better record is fighting to stay without losses. How is he fighting? He's training. He's training so hard. He's consistent. He's eating right. He's taking care of his body. He does everything so he can win, and his record can remain blemish-free. He is working out his own victory. Amen. Remember that example because that is how we ought to be. We ought to be working out our own victory in Jesus. You know, today, it's so sad. It's truly so sad 
Some are not even willing to change due to how confident they are of themselves in their flesh, in this thing that lets them down and it's never a sure thing. This leads to danger. But then those who want to be sure, they work it out. Just like Paul said, being washed by the word and the water, right? The Holy Spirit. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Those who fear the Lord, they hate sin. They hate sin. Sure, I make mistakes. You make mistakes. They happen. But as long as we're in the flesh, we will make mistakes. But we struggle not to. Why? Because followers of Jesus hate to do wrong and evil. And I'm using the word hate intentionally. Today, this world wants to tell me and to tell you and to tell the body of Christ that hate is such a strong word, but Jesus hated sin. Likewise, we should hate sin. Jesus hated sin. Likewise, we should hate our sin. We should hate sin in general. We should hate sin committed by others. So for example, many practicing homosexuality will often ask the church, is it okay? Is it okay that I'm living this way? And I want to remind you that based on the teachings of Jesus, if you practice that, you are in danger and you are defying the word of God. But still, so many churches, they flex the word of God to allow this to be approved. But God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These aren't my words. This is what God says. So if you live this way, you are in danger of the book of Romans. Of course, if you are a true follower of Jesus, you still love those who are not honoring the word of God. Of course we do. We don't hate people. We hate the sin. We want people to be saved. God has said what he has already said. He is not going to come back and write a revised version. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those living in sin, those living in evil, according to the word of God, are sharing in the origin of Satan. And that is pride. Pride must die in us. And if we are willing, the Holy Spirit will put pride to death in us. Amen? Followers don't want to be prideful and stubborn. In fact, they hate it. Why? Because they fear the Lord. Those who fear Him, Jesus, they come voluntarily to be washed by the Word and the Holy Spirit. We will be cleansed when we come before Him. When we seriously come before Him in repentance, in humility, we will be washed by the Word and the Holy Spirit. We will. Why would God visit a church without fear? He comes to the place where his children, his followers are worshiping in fear and trembling. You know, next month, the ministry in which I'm a part of is traveling to what I would call a witch town. And it's drivable for us in the United States because God said to. And there's many people who are practicing witchcraft there. There's witches, there's uh, warlocks, wizards, whatever you'd like to call them. They're sorcerers. And they live there and their witchcraft draws many there. In fact, this town, it draws many there around Halloween time to a festival that is disguised by children's activities and fun. But underneath those layers, if you really start to study, it is sorcery and it is abomination. It is sin and evil. So we're going to go there and we're going to pray for the presence of God and the Holy Spirit conviction to fill that town. And we are going there with fear and and trembling and surely God will meet us there. We are praying for that. 
We want him to transform the area. Why? Because we want those who are bound by these things to be released. We want the ground to be softened. We want the demonic mantle that has been built to be dismantled so that the Holy Spirit can enter and convict and the people can be led to God. Even the people who aren't going to be in attendance to the place where we are, I pray that they feel a change in the atmosphere because he will change the atmosphere. Why? Because God is so, so powerful. He is the most powerful. And God's response to us will be due to us responding in fear. He has told us to go. We have discerned that. It is very clear that is the movement that we are making. Amen? So I would be a fool to not move in what God says. Remember, he says, they shall be cleansed. If a prophet has the word, let them intercede. Let them pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to pray. And that is in Jeremiah 27, verse 18. Fearing the Lord is the origin of humility and sanctification. If you want to be humble and cleansed, this is going to result in true holiness. So what's our goal? We want as many people to be prepared for when he returns. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when he's going to call us up to meet him in the clouds, but we want to make sure people are also packing their cars full of oil. And I don't mean that literally. We want people to be prepared just like the virgins should have been prepared, all 10 of them. Amen. We don't want anyone to miss his return. We want the people to be ready, prepared, serving him in fear and trembling. Now, may you and I, may we all have our flesh crucified so that pride dies in us. It cannot live in us. We cannot be prideful and serve Jesus. I pray that our flesh is crucified so pride dies and we can rise up in holiness, in humility, and in sanctification. May we all be cleansed. Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.